here with my co-host, Suleiman Shahid. Design Vertec is all about promoting design, usability, user experiences, and customer experiences in Pakistan. Our guest for today's episode is Mudassar Azimi. Mudassar Azimi is an interaction designer based in California. He's currently working for Wells Fargo. So this was our first remotely recorded podcast and we encountered some technical difficulties which affected the audio quality, so apologies for that. And without any further ado, here's Mudassar. How are you, Mudassar? I'm doing superb. Okay, so thanks for joining us from uh, California. Yeah, sure thing. It's a 12-hour difference. Thanks for joining so late. It's your late night. Oh, no, it's, it's my Batman time. Batman <laughs> time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Madessa, can you please tell us a bit about your background? Um, so, you're an interaction designer at Wells Fargo. That's true. So, yeah, I started my UX journey actually in 2008. But at that time, I was just doing some kind of like a side gig. So I started my own small, tiny company. The reason for all that, you know, switching from development to UX was because during 2009, I was working as a developer. So there's a mixed 2009 conference for Microsoft developer. So during that time, Bill Buxton, I came to know about the Bill Buxton at that time as well. He came on the stage and he said, hey, you know, uh, you guys are all developer, but I'm going to introduce you with the other side of the world, you know, which is known as user experience. And obviously, it's always a tussle between a user experience designer and the developers, right? So he said, no, we have to listen to her and, you know, uh, she will help you uh, to understand a different aspect where your software is going to impact. So he introduced Deborah Adler. She actually convinced me to switch to the UX, uh, you know, domain. So for those of our, in our audience who don't know who Bill Buxton is, can you just give a brief introduction about him? So yeah, he is actually the Microsoft user experience, uh, experience researcher, right? So that's what I all know about at that time. And <laughs> okay. then uh, I came to know about about his book, Sketching, uh, I think that's... Sketching where, User Experience. Yeah, Sketching User yeah. Experience, right? So I haven't read the, it, but I've heard about it, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, sketching, like don't take it to your heart. You can throw it away if it don't work. So always go with this sketching all the time. If you're in doubt, right? And always we are in the doubt at first place. We don't know what's going to work and what's not going to work. So anyways, but Deborah Adler, she admired, you know, I, I admire her because she actually invented the, uh, I wrote the name of the medication. It's like Clear X medication system for Target. So what happened with her is uh, she had an incident at her home. Her grandma took her grandfather's medication because the Typical generic medication label and medication lab labeling is very annoying. It's so unreadable from the distance. So she came up with the whole system that how it should work, how we can, you know, identify, like if you have uh, like three people who are having this uh, medication, so how we can differentiate them using the color rings and stuff like that. So that was an inspiring moment. So at that time, I was like, oh my God, this is a very different uh, view to solve the problem. Because as a coder, right, as a nerd, you're always talking uh, to computer and computer can listen to you, what are we going to code for it, right? Then what happened is one of my friends, he introduced me with another book, Inmates Running the Asylum. And that actually uh, final, you know, I would say... Our favorite um, book. Yeah, book, yeah, same here, same here. Final nail in, in that, you know, 
the developers of it yeah <laughs> from from that moment onward you know i start i started a small tiny company i thought that the best way to learn is by doing right so i thought hey what's the super problem i need to solve so i had a baby at that time so i thought okay she going to grow up so how i going to teach her uh, urdu language so i start you know started my kurtuba and all all that you know the failed startup i lost 50000 we don't know how to sell right so that was my biggest weak point i know how to make the superb product right but i was unable to sell it properly so let's come back to this later <laughs> in the podcast yeah 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 so uh this leads me to like you know learn like you know i i built like what five or six apps and one of the app uh, become uh, quite popular which we were not expecting uh, the uh, urdu writer right that become the precursor of writing urdu first time on ios devices and we were expecting we might going to get what 10000 downloads but guess what uh within two years of launch when we start building this thing in 2011 by 2012 we had 160000 downloads and we got 500 reviews and we and we thought that we wrote the app which can let you communicate in urdu on sms facebook and twitter and guess what twitter urdu you know i think the urdu service they tweeted about us that hey if you want to tweet in urdu use this app and we were like oh my god without doing any kind of marketing and they are talking about us but this was our first like you know a perspective of writing urdu language on you know iphone but we start receiving a very weird email and and uh, was this uh, were you alone in this or oh, no. were people so I, this? i co-founded with one more guy right but like okay. as a product designer i was the only guy who was designing and then we have a team in pakistan so they were developing and because of bill buxton's book we did prototype in one day of that urdu right like hey let's prototype it let's see if it's going to work and then again my i put my nerd head uh on and you know as a developer head and i i found out that unicode is a generic language right this is how you see the different character because of that unicode so this helped me to enter to get the use utilize the arabic unicode and the urdu unicode is a subset of arabic unicode right so this is how we like actually came and made the whole prototype in a day very nice that's nice So I kind of agree with you that you know if you are a hardcore developer or computer scientist Alan Cooper's language is a great sell and I think in in terms of starting this interfaith dialogue yeah. Alan Cooper helps a lot <laughs> Oh yeah yeah I still keep this thing there <laughs> Yeah that that was one of my uh, one of our favorite book also Yeah Yeah and and we both and love this book yeah We love this book I I have a different question now you know about this transition all right so very often here people talk talk about that if you are a great engineer it helps you to become a great user experience designer or or maybe a great a product architect purely from a you know human centered point of so what are the strengths uh, and what are the limitations when you move from one phase to another phase <laughs> and how does this sort of transition transition works okay i have a story for it you know so when i start learning about ux uh, so another thing that i thought i should start you know going around and you know socialize with the ux folks right so there was a ux ux book club in san francisco i diligently regularly 
you know, start attending that book club. And at that time, there was a rift. I am a developer. I am a, you know, I would say a black sheep, right? Uh, among uh, the a black t-shirt right the, now. Yeah. <laughs> Among the all the unicorns, you know, right there, they always deciding everything what supposed to be done and what not. So one day, I ask a very hardcore question. I say, "Hey, why is that you guys don't like developers?" So everybody has their you know uh, perspective, and they start arguing that this or that or what have you. They don't listen. I say, "You know what?" What I understand after attending like, you know, six months of this, you know, our UX book club meeting and reading and, you know, uh, going through all the books that you suggest, developers and UX designers, they are part of the same team. So, for example, I give them an example, right? Analogy. Like, hey, one guy, he came to the, you know, uh, site uh, where somebody was building some, uh, there was some structure was getting built. And there were a couple of people in the red hat and a couple of people were in the blue hat. So when the guy approached the red hat guy and he asked, what are you doing? So the red hat guy said, hey, look, you know, I'm putting the electric wire and I have to think about that plumbing situation in this structure. You know, I need to make sure the floor is, you know, uh, perfect. It, It should have, this place should have marble, this place should have the wooden floor and what have you. And the same guy, then he went to that, you know, the, uh, the guys with the blue hat. And he asked them, hey, what's going on? What you guys are, you know, doing? So these, these blue hat guys were telling them to that person, we are building the church. So both, yeah. have, both are doing the same thing. But as a developer, their perspective is a little bit zoomed in, right? So I think the strength as a UX, as an engineer coming to the UX, you can easily zoom in and you can understand the challenges. For example, if you come with some funky type of interaction, right? So you can actually uh, understand the pain point from the developer's perspective that, hey, it could take some time to get it implemented. Nothing nothing is impossible, that's for sure, right? There are lots of libraries, you can do lots of hacking and what have you, but it's gonna take time. So as a engineer working as a UX designer, he can understand that kind of pain point. But the challenge, you know, I would say that you always think, oh my God, this is possible. It can be done. This uh, this can be done or what have you. But you should have to make sure that you should hold your, you know, uh, developers, uh, I would say developer horses. Like, hey, no, that's, it's possible, but maybe the budget or what have you. If you are working in the enterprise or, or even if you are running the startup, right? And if you have some time, uh, time constraint, then, just make sure that you don't need to yeah. uh, force too much. Make make makes sense. Mm. Another quick note on because you you talked about it enterprise the word enterprise you brought into the conversation. So you also mentioned in your profile that you consider yourself an enterprise interaction designer or user experience designer. Yeah. Uh, how do you do you clearly differentiate between an interaction designer and enterprise interaction designer? And do you think oh, yeah. there are specific traits? very specific traits uh, one would need to become yeah, an enterprise interaction designer. All right. So you have to be very slow. Okay. <laughs> that's that's really thanks slow. to our uh, Skype connection or Zoom connection. No, 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 no. I'm saying yeah. that if you are the enterprise interaction designer, you have to think Oh, okay. Slow. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry for that. You don't need to think fast because enterprise... Okay. 
Don't Very good one. Good one. Go fast. They don't go fast. You know, as a okay, if you're working at a startup, for example, right? Uh, you are like five people team, two interaction designer, three developers, and you know what have you. And in an, uh, during the tea break, you thought about very interesting kind of interaction. What you gonna do? You just gonna go to your developers, and you guys gonna have working prototype by the end of the day. That's not possible when you are in a big corporation. So I work at Wells Fargo, right? So, uh, and then another thing is uh, what I learned while working at Wells Fargo, and especially I'm in the wholesale side, as commercial side, not the retail side. So our consumers are very conservative. They are not, I'm not going to say they're not computer oriented, but I'm going to say they are not the, like they are 40 plus. All right. They're, they are not on Snapchat. So they don't know those kind of funky interaction that swipe up, swipe down and what have you. Right. And I and thanks God we don't have a diagonal swipe, you know. So, <laughs> so they, they so they don't they are, they are not fully aware with these kind of things, right? So you have to define and design your product according to their need. Secondly, uh, when you're working for I think big that's, enterprise, that, that, that's, that's a very fundamental principle that you have to design according to your user to, needs, to, to that, those audience yeah because you know hey cfo he's always busy you know trying to deal with uh, from the financial aspect and what have you he, he don't have time to do lots of you know uh, to to use your product very different or very unique way of interaction kind of like a swipe up swipe down so you have to go fall back on the basic standard tap and click kind of interaction Right. As compared to a small startup or even if you are working at Instagram, so their target market is young audience. They are like all the time glued with their phone. So they are well versed in the, uh, you know, uh, touch interface. Whereas those busy people like at Wells Fargo, like uh, CFO, treasury management, uh, account manager and what have you, they, they, are, they are dealing with millions of dollars of transaction. Uh, on a regular basis so any kind of new gestures that you are introducing in their app right it should be well versed or must have like five years of history in the t- on touch devices right it's like swipe right swipe left that's becoming very norm acceptable but if you do something some very funky kind of like you know uh, gestures like swipe up or if you know what apple did recently if you swipe down but not all the way uh, all the way to the bottom but in the middle way so it will help you to you know launch a certain kind of you know uh, feature which can read your screen so you have to make sure that which one is more appropriate according to the industry hmm. yeah right so i i just want to ask you a question about that so you mentioned that you're taking a slightly conservative approach if I may use yeah. that word, towards designing systems at uh, Wells Fargo. Have you attempted to introduce any slightly more newer gestures or design practices? Oh, I have a and story for it, yeah. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you go about doing it? Uh, oh my how God, do you test yes. that out? Oh my God, yes. Let me tell you, that's an awesome story. So what we were doing, we were building the list builder, all right? List builder component. And it comes on my plate and say, hey, look, Rodasri, you have to start with this component. Let's, you know, do the discovery. So we have a very awesome process. So we do the UX discovery before actually adding any kind of, you know, component in our, into our design system. So I was like exploring all the list builder in the world. Guess what? I was like, man, 
I was brand new at Wells Fargo. I jumped my gun. I said, man, this drag and drop feature is going to help us a lot. You know, it's so easy, so convenient. And it's going to, you know, uh, solve lots of, you know, difficult problems that we saw during our UX research. And then it failed miserably because of the accessibility issue. Because if you have to drag one uh, raw item from top to bottom or bottom to top, then how are the people who are, you know, having this uh, accessibility challenges, how are they going to access it? So it's not just how cool you're at or how cool you're making your, uh, you know, interaction, but you have to think from those other aspects as well. So that was the problem we had earlier uh, when we adopted the, you know, uh, when we dropped the uh, drag and drop feature. So we use the very old standard, which is like, you know, you see the arrow, if you tap on it, it will take you all the way to the top or, an, uh, or you know, uh, another arrow which is pointing with the bar, you know, which says like tap here and it will take you all the way to the bottom or a single arrow which can move one item up, one item down. So we have to rely on that control instead of implementing the drag and drop feature. Right. Right. And especially in countries like America and um, Europe where there's regulation, government regulation. Oh, yeah. That you have to comply mm -hmm. with for accessibility. Exactly. So it becomes even more challenging and important in those countries. Yep. So recently, one thing we did, actually, one of my you know, colleagues, uh, he was assigned to work on the file uploader system. So this time, because file uploader system is like very simple component from the aspect that you don't need to you know, tackle too many uh, files to drag and drop. And uh, there's a stand industry standard now. If you, are, if you are only accessing this component through keyboard, then there's always a button select click here to select file, files or, you know, uh, drag and drop the files here, just like the Google Drive and you know, Dropbox uh, had that feature already. So we adopted this bit, actually. So we have the drag and drop only for the file uh, uh, upload component because that's now an industry standard. Very nice. So when you when you brainstorm about uh, about these controls and and components, uh, and yet you mentioned that you have this discovery uh, workshop uh, in which you think about it, the process is focused mainly on that particular component, or uh, it's a, how does it fit in the part of the bigger ecosystem, the product suite. Uh, for example, I can take an example of SAP. Uh, they, if they sort of want to bring a new component in for a very, very particular uh, tool, uh, they might not be focusing on a single particular software. They might have to think about how this transform into a, a larger context. So how do you sort of do this exercise? Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, this is our regular, you know, day-to-day -day, uh, process. So, for example, I'm working at the commercial electronic office. It's a commercial side of the Wells Fargo. Right. So it's a big, ginormous uh, whole portal where we are offering services to uh, Netflix and oh, they are all our clients, the big, ginormous companies. Right. What we do is like, for example, we are like, oh, my God, OK, we start getting feature requests from uh, different uh, groups, different services. And they say, hey, we need this uh, component. We put this into our pipeline and then 
once we assign this thing to uh, interaction designer, so he'd go and do his UX discovery. So what he does is he go around and ask for all different services and say, hey, do you guys need this component? Oh, they say, yeah, I do need like, for example, for example, you know, wire services, account receivable services, or, you know, commercial credit card services. They say, yeah, we need this, uh, these accounts. Or, or I mean, sorry, we need these, uh, this component. And then we start getting their workflow where they're using this component into their workflow, right? So we sit with their interaction designer. We understand how they're using it or what they're expecting from this component. We start writing it down. We make sure that we collected all the data from all different team members. And then we start bringing it down into our design system by, I would say, like making more generic. So it can be used across different services without actually, you know, breaking their uh, existing flow. And then, of course, we do the UX, uh, the some uh, some Gorilla user testing. We have some, you know, user research going on, uh, going on, just to test that small component within the, uh, with the fake or I would say made up kind of flows to make sure we get the idea properly. Okay, I think your story is very, very interesting, you know, especially this transition, which many developers or many software engineers are very afraid of, you know? So uh, I always say that you have great skill, but you didn't get the right confidence. Uh, yeah. You know, so a, a skill without confidence is not going to help you much because you need to sell yourself also. You need to be out there in the field, uh, sort of boldly telling everybody that you can do it, you know? And, and, exactly, uh, exactly. and for that, you need to build the skills. If, if you're not supported by the skill, I think you got a problem, but then skill without confidence is also a big problem. Yeah. So I think in your yep. case, you have a lovely story to share and tell everybody. So Thank um, you, guys. Um, Dasir, how many years have you been working as a designer now? Oh, so I started in 2012. So as a Oh, it's, uh, can I tell you one more? Man, I have so many stories, dude. Guys, come on. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> okay. So, we have uh, stories. Yeah, yeah. Ahead, yeah. Right, this is perfect. the best way. So, awesome. So I got laid off in 2011, November. Can you imagine that as a developer? Because uh, we were a 13 people company at that time. And the big company from Dallas, like they had 200 or 300 employees. They bought us. And in June 2011, and I was like totally inclined toward interaction design field because my mentor another point here i want to make you should have a very awesome mentor or i would say you should you should be a very awesome mentee reason you know mentor don't have time they're not going to run after you you have to run after mentor so you have to ping them you have to bug them whatever you have to do but be mindful obviously sometimes they respond because they have their own stuff going on so what you have to do is like you know i start you know uh, my mentor taught me that look you have to focus on responsive design in 2008 2009 because this is going to be the future and you should read this or what have you then i got laid off in 2011 imagine this uh, lost 50k uh, 50000 dollar and my wife was you know uh, making everything ready for to buy the house but we could not buy this Difficult. It's impossible, right? <laughs> you, do, you don't have a down payment anymore. So, and then uh, I was like, okay, what should we do now? I got laid off and this is a perfect opportunity for me to get the job. Should I go with, again, same thing developer or should I go with the, uh, you know, uh, with my newfound love? So guess what? I uh, actually, until, this point, until this point, you were interested in design, but hadn't oh, adopted it as a career. No, yeah, it was not it's like I was doing like 50% of interaction design, but I'm not going to say like it was super 
awesome interaction design thing going on. I did took some UX, you know, uh, courses at that time between 2008 and 2011, November 2011. Uh, UX weeks by uh, UX week by Adaptive Path, and I think there's one more I did. I don't remember. So once I get laid off, so uh, you know what I did? I said, "Hey, I'm gonna switch my career. I will go with my, you know, the UX, uh, my newfound love." So I had like six or four apps already on my portfolio. So I start, you know, my my mentor taught me how to write a good portfolio, uh, and I think it's similar what Jared Spool is actually, you know, these days telling us about. Once I, you know, did my uh, portfolio, I started applying for the job and uh, I did apply for my, uh, for a small contract. You know, they said, hey, you can join us in January 2012. So I worked with them for three months. So, and then, uh, you know, I, I worked with them for three months uh, with one of my first client as a freelance UX contractor. And I focused to, you know, solely on uh, interaction design. Uh, because we were winding down our company, Kortoba LLC. And uh, the last client, one of the, our, I would say, last client, he came to us and said, hey, Mudassir, you know, uh, we want, I want to build this app. So I said, oh, yeah, sure, why not? So uh, we built the uh, Wish Pop. The app name is Wish Pop, W-I-S-H-P-O-P. This app was totally uh, about, like, you know, kids and what have you, like, you know, how the kids can create their own gifts, uh, gift list or gift registry and get the stuff done and, you know, share it with their uh, parents and grandparents. Anyways, so after, like, you know, spending, like, four or five months, I started applying to uh, a big corporation. So I applied to Wells Fargo at that time and AAA Insurance because, again, uh, my whole focus was uh, on, like, you know, accounts or finance-related, so finance-related, you know, softwares and stuff. So AAA Insurance and Wells Fargo. So I got called by both of them. So AAA Insurance, you know, guess what they did, actually. When they interviewed me, I told them, hey, look, this is what I did. You know, I have, I have my own company and I build these products. And then uh, they say, oh, you don't have a corporate experience. I was like, hmm, that's, that's funny. What do you mean by corporate experience? So uh, anyways, I received a call from Wells Fargo. I went there. I was representing uh, uh, my, you know, portfolio. So at that time, they asked me, my manager, she, she was uh, interviewing me. She's still my manager. She, she's a superb manager. You know what? That's the best part of your job. If you have a good manager, you're not going to leave the job. I think that's true. If somebody tells you that people leave the job, not because the job is worse, but because the manager is worse. But I, hey, I'm lucky, right? So There's a saying that uh, pe- people work for people. Yeah, so yeah people work for people. That's for sure. manager, then... And there's less likelihood that you're so yeah yeah so you know i i was represent i was you know presenting my portfolio so at that time i was i'm still i'm gonna call myself i'm awesome with dashboard design because i don't know why but this is kind of like you know i i would say uh it's my habit maybe i started this way when i start building some uh, softwares uh they were all dashboards and you know i start coding at that time kind of like a dashboard stuff. So now in the design, I'm also good at it. You know, if you ask me, hey, let's, you know, redesign this dashboard. So I will jump in and I can, you know, help you faster than anything else. So uh, at that time, I did not know, I haven't read this uh, Schneider's Man mantra. Schneider's Man mantra, yeah. So I started presenting 
my portfolio and the first project was how did I design this dashboard? So I said, hey, look, you know, I, I implement the pyramid, uh, you know, structure, which is like, you know, summary first and then zoom in later and the details on demand. So it's kind of like a pyramid, right? So detail, like big ginormous table at the bottom of the dashboard. So my boss told me, hey, you, 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 you know, this guy, Ben Schneider, I said, uh, I don't know. But she said, hey, you actually implemented his whole structure on this dashboard. Uh, I said, all right, that's cool. I didn't know, but that's good. I know this uh, standard. That's at that time. And then uh, I had my uh, small uh, product, which is nonmap.com. So I was competing with zabiha.com, right? So uh, they asked me, hey, how, do you, how are you going to implement this nonmap.com interface on iPad? Can you walk us through? So I said, hey, this is how we're going to do it. So she was like, do you know about responsive design? I said, yep, I learned a bit about it, you know, because our, I have a website for nonmap.com and we have an iPhone app as well. So I understand the board structure, the board, uh, the both, uh, both, uh, view boards very easily. So this is where, you know, they, uh, they hired me for, you know, uh, for this job as a contractor. And then after a, after a few months, uh, I say, Hey, can I work for you guys as a full-time employee? They say, Hey, let's, you know, get your contract finished first and then you're welcome on board. And I'm since then I'm with them. That's an interesting story. So you've been with Wells Fargo ever since. What has the experience been like uh, working at Wells Fargo in terms of things you've learned and um, things you've accomplished since then? All right. So it made me mature designer. Because if you work with these big companies and with these kind of regulations around you with that kind of constraint, then you need to, you understand all kind of like, you know, uh, uh, how to solve the problem with constraints, right? So first thing that I learned and I'm very thankful to, uh, thankful about it is the accessibility concern. Because typically we don't think about the people who have some, uh, you know, who have disabilities or who have some challenges, right? So we, in journal, I, I would say I was kind of, when I was designing my apps, I didn't, I never thought about it. So this kind of like, you know, learning, uh, that, that, that kind of learning helped me to have more empathy toward all the other people who are actually not able like me and how to solve the problem for them. Do you still sort of face racism in a sense that you, you are a developer uh, <laughs> oh me so the man's no. kind of uh, phrasing these in very extreme kind of no, please, I, 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 extremism. I, I, I tell you why you know i, I myself uh, was a computer scientist was right. i am still okay. a computer science department i teach hardcore <laughs> software engineering and other technical courses uh, but at a certain stage in my life, you know, I, I think I faced a lot of these issues and I said, you know what, go to hell, I'm going to go, go and do the actual design degree. So I actually did that, you know, and because I could not simply stand uh, in front of these uh, maybe criticism that, you know, you don't, you don't know the basics, you don't know that, you, you have never done this thing in your life, you don't know the theory and all those things. So I actually did that. I'm not sure uh, if it is always the right approach. You know, so I, I'm always, you know, uh, very inspired by those who actually take a different path uh, and then still do a great job, like people like you who've been doing these things as, as a designer. So how do you, uh, again, you know, going back to the same thing, how do you uh, look at it and do you still think that 
Uh, there's a there's a long path to go. You know, uh, let me give you a very different aspect. So recently, I was you know giving certain uh, webinar to a small company in Pakistan. Not a small company from the aspect of you know design uh, from the app that become popular. I don't know you heard about Codematics. Yeah. So you know the the CEO of the Codematics was here uh, during the start of weekend. I met with him, and he said, "Hey, Mulister, can you just tell a little bit like basics of UX to our uh, people at our work?" So you know how I started the uh, first slide uh, about the UX. and i think we uh, i i i was born in 78 so i i i can safely say when i was like you know what 10 years old or something or bigger so uh we were all used to watch stn and ntm during that ntm stn time you guys may remember there was a tv show zavia no. do you know ashfaq ahmed yeah yeah you know ashfaq ahmed yeah ashfaq ahmed right so he's a popular writer and you know uh a philosopher sufi so whenever he ends his program what he does is actually he used to say it's in urdu i going to uh, he used to have this prayer let allah aapko aasaniyan ata farmaye aur aasaniyan taqseem karne ka sharf ata farmaye right from zaviya yeah zaviya mein right so this is what how he used to end the program so even if you are a developer or a, you know ux designer or whatever you are in this whatever field you are in so this become my mantra actually like you know when i heard this thing and then it, these things start coming back when you are in america doing nothing playing with your rc cars and what have you or rc boards so these kind of things actually you know reflects you know uh, comes up and pop up in your brain that oh my god yeah i have to make things easy for the intended customer it doesn't matter i am either on the development side or in the ux side so suleiman to answer to your question yeah it is it is like you know we have to maybe change the thought pattern like you know if somebody is telling someone oh you don't know how to design it so just move away then that guy should have some certain kind of at least empathy or certain kind of understanding that you know the other guy who may be trying something from his aspects so learn how to listen maybe the challenges are coming the challenges the communication right the way we uh, berate i would i this is a strong word but i would say we developers berate ux designers and ux designers berate uh, developers right so this is the biggest challenge all the time they actually try to like oh no no this oh ux are worse they always puts uh, you know certain kind of uh, load on our work and it goes both ways right so yeah. maybe uh, there's certain kind of uh, in between path and for that what i used to say is let's bring the developer on the table so i have another story about it so when i was building my first app alif bay pay for uh, kids uh, and then i made uh, the app was superb everything was working fine but when i gave it to my uh, to like kids who were like 4 to 5 years old and from my neighborhood i collected all of them like five of them and i gave like couple of iphones to them it was iphone 3gs at that time but i made sure that my iphones are properly protected because kids are crazy all right if they don't like it they're going to throw it on the wall so there's no guarantee they are the superb awesome ux research participants 
they are very honest, right? They're not going to hold it anything. So uh, what happened? I recorded the whole session of those kids at my home, playing with our apps. I made sure, like you know, uh, I captured all kind of like interaction from them and their conversation. And guess what? I showed it to the developers, and then. Like after 12 hours, I received an email from my developer that, oh my God, you changed the whole perspective that how the app that we coded going to be used, you know, by the actual user. Great story. Uh, and I think that just uh, brings home the point that we have to enable better collaboration between developers and designers and yeah. uh, showing them actual evidence from users will definitely help. Before we sign off, I really want to, for both of we want to hear about how you got involved in enabling Urdu for Apple. Oh, how did I get involved? Oh my God, okay. Dude, you know what? There's a guy named Ali Etraz. He wrote an article, uh, The Death of Hi, Urdu. You, you mentioned that earlier also, yeah. Yeah. And then Jawad Farid, you know, Nest IO guy, uh, he actually tab, uh, tagged me on his article. And I was like, furious as how I, I went to his medium post and i said hey have you heard heard about the urdu writer app it's not dead so he said no 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 these facebook facebook and twitter they have to listen to this or microsoft i said but did you try did you approach it? so we had a very good conversation he used to live in fremont and work in san francisco same uh, just like me so we met a couple of times uh, we had a good chit chat uh, during our commute then one day i did experiment on my ios 7 at that time that you can use the custom font actually and this is all and, and as i told him that look this should come from the system level you cannot implement this thing from the uh, uh, from the interface level it should come from the system level from the bottom up approach instead of top down approach right so i did an experiment i installed the jamil nuri nastaliq font on my iPhone and he had his own iPhone as well. I said, okay, open your web, open the same, I think Urdu web or some some website purely was, you know, Urdu Unicode. They were using the whole Urdu Unicode content. So on his phone, it was appeared as a Nusk font, you know, and on my phone, it was all Nusk, a very beautiful font. So he said, how the hell it happened? I said, dude, again, system level, all right? So I implemented this font on a system level, uh, on, uh, on my system, on iOS system, not in a specific app. So that's why whenever I'm going to open uh, even the Pages app on my iPhone, it will be displayed as a Nastali. So it was, I think, October 2014, I wrote a letter to Tim Cook because I was like get, becoming more frustrated day by day. So I wrote a letter to Tim Cook and I told him that, look, I did an experiment. If you just do one thing instead of like, you know. Uh, so you wrote a letter or an email? I wrote him, wrote him uh, okay, email, uh, postal mail, <laughs> and I made the public post as well. So email was short. Sorry, uh, I missed that. You, you sent an email, a letter I, and? Uh, and a blog post on Medium. Okay. Yeah. So three things. So I misspelled the name, uh, the word censored. I used the S instead of C, you know, the uh, another bongi I, I made at that time, which is cool. <laughs> so uh, 
but hey, I, I still I, I gonna I will share the link with you guys you know after our you know talk. So uh, and then after a week, and it, it, can you imagine this? I was about to my my I was still working at Wells Fargo uh, as a contractor at that time, and I was sitting on my desk uh, minding my own business, doing you know same day uh, same stuff, and suddenly I. I, I have a call. My phone is ringing, and say, "Hey, uh, it's uh, uh, I'm. Uh, we are calling from Apple Incorporation. You know, as a, oh God, you know, I they might have some kind of season disease notice, and I, my heart was racing like you know, thousand miles per uh, second kind of thing. And then they say, "Oh no, uh, you know, I'm. Uh, you, we heard you." And uh, I'm calling from Tim Cook's office. Oh, I was like, oh my god, oh my god! I said, you do you guys, you guys calling from Tim Cook's? Ah, I said, like start, you know, I I was like a little baby, all right, jumping up and down. And they say we will get it done. What you're asking for? And then a guy told me, hey, look, if you have anything else to share with us, just send me an email. I said, all right. So then he forwarded me the email. Actually, Tim Cook sent him the facts of my postal uh, email oh i mean postal mail so i said oh my god wow so they did really listen to us right and after i think uh, not in ios 9 but in ios 10 or ios 11 in 2017 when they launched uh, with I, uh, iphone 10 right so it was an official typograph i mean the font for urdu language that, that's great we'll kind of leave it till here yeah. till next time Mudassar. thanks Thank a lot so. from Suleiman and myself we really appreciate you taking the time and thanks for all those lovely stories <laughs> yeah. sure. I look and forward to hearing you, more stories as well in the future yeah yeah please thank you Suleiman thank you Imran alrighty okay have a Thank superb you. day yeah okay you too